0: E
1: PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be talking not just about the new iPad, which is selling out everywhere around the world that's available, but also about the failures at Microsoft and why Windows 8 may be one huge bomb. We'll be talking with such guests as Jim Dalremple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, and AppleInsider.com, and also Peter Cohen from the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Ah! From LoopInside.com, we have Jim Dalrymple, who seems to know everything and everyone. Whenever there's a Mac rumor, more often than not, Jim's going to have some kind of piece of information nobody else knows, He, of course, will not reveal his sources because he's a good journalist. Jim, welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks,
2: Gene. How are you doing?
1: Oh, we're doing great. You know, we're going to be playing with an iPad 3 or the new iPad or the iPad 3rd edition, however you wish to call it. Now, Adam Inks and I decided to call it iPad 3.
2: You're not going to go into that, are you? Oh, the iPad 3 event was a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you did call it iPad 3. But before we talk about that, Every so often, we hear about all these class action lawsuits against someone or other. And we understand if someone's health or welfare is in danger and you sue a company for damaging the environment or causing dirty water that makes people sick, of course, that's a valid reason for class action lawsuit. Now we've got one that says that Siri, Apple's voice recognition, personal assistant, doesn't work as good as it
2: should. What's the story about that? These people really frustrate me, you know. They they really do. But somebody's bringing a lawsuit against Apple because Siri didn't understand what he was saying. You know, he asked it directions. It didn't understand. So, I don't know. I don't know what to say about some of these things. I mean... You know, a lot, I think, depends on your voice and how you how you ask it. I've never, well, no, I shouldn't say I've never. Uh, it's been rare that Siri has not understood something that I was saying, but usually it's, you know, when you have a garbled words all together, you know, like I'd like to go to a Chinese Szechuan restaurant and it doesn't understand what I was saying or the way that I said it, then it may come come back with, I didn't understand, or, you know, may give me something totally different. You never know. But suing Apple because basically it doesn't understand what he's saying. Well,
1: here's an issue, too. Speech recognition, you know, it'll have problems with different things. Like I have somebody, a relative, whose last name has the letter Z in it. I have someone else with an almost similar name, who's actually an occasional guest on the show, whose last name has the letter S. Now, Siri is going to completely confuse that. Now, also understand that I have a fairly straight-ahead voice. I'm a radio broadcaster. Jim has a touch of Canadian in him, but straight-ahead English. <laughs> the point being that Siri is probably going to find it easy to manage us. But if you have a very strong regional accent, or if you have a foreign accent, you're basically your first language is not English, and certain words are mispronounced, I think that's going to confound Siri because that's the state of the art.
2: Yeah, and, and they have free released in a number of different languages where I think that they do their best to pick up on those accents. I don't know how the technology works overall, but I, I just think it's it's crazy for people to be suing over something like this. You know, it's not a major world problem. And obviously, it's just a a money grab. Well, that's the problem with suits like this.
1: You think you're going to get a lot of money and... I guess 99 out of 100 cases, what happens is the target of the lawsuit will be coerced, I could say other words, coerced, into making a settlement to get rid of the lawsuit, which is what the lawyers are helping to do now. So they will make their payday. They'll get their 30 or 40 percent of the total on the top. Everyone else gets a coupon. They get a yeah, discount. Exactly. They get $10. Look at the lawsuit against the antenna of the iPhone 4. Now, Apple offered free bumpers worth about $30 or so when people complained about the antenna problems, antenna gate, poor reception if you hold it the wrong way. So Apple said, okay, we'll give you one of our cases worth about $30 or a selection of other cases that are worth a little bit more, a little bit less. That program expired in a couple of months. Those who didn't take advantage of it, I understand if you called Apple support and say, I'm not satisfied, they'd still send you a bumper. Okay, we'll give you a bumper. So what do these people who sued Apple get? A bumper or $15 cash, which of course is half what the bumper is worth. (laughs)
2: plus all the pain of going through that
1: in the first place i mean it's nonsense so now someone sues apple because siri is imperfect it says beta by the way siri is a beta it means it's not perfect yeah
2: what do you expect i just look at all this stuff and i'm amazed that happens i mean i've used siri i'm in a bit of a different situation because siri is sort of half-enabled in Canada. It can you know, find weather, and it can do different things like that, which I used it for, uh, but it can't direct you to certain restaurants and things because it doesn't have that capability in Canada yet. It but is sort of, beta, sort of, right. Right. But they were very open about that in that the functionality is available in Canada, but... All of it is not available. So, in other words, you can use Siri and I can say, what's the weather like tomorrow? And it'll come up and tell me the weather in Halifax is this. Um, if I say, Siri, I'm, I'd like to.
1: Excuse me. Let's try this. So, what's the weather like in Nova Scotia? I can only
3: get hourly forecasts for the next 12 hours. Here's what I've
4: got for Halifax, Canada.
2: There you go. So it recognized your voice. So it got what I said accurately? Yeah. It did.
1: So no big deal. Okay, it did what I expected of it. Now, I've gone through and tested it, and there are areas, like I said, with the relative and the business contact with the similar names and the same first name. Well, okay, Siri has a problem with that. And I expect that. I expect Uh, this is not a perfect system. I'm not looking for miracles. I think part of it is Apple makes it look like Siri is perfect. That Siri will always get the information that you want because you see these commercials. But the commercials, I understand, have a disclaimer saying that they've compressed these episodes. So it may be when someone asks for directions to the Grand Canyon, well, they have to do it three or four times, three or four different
2: ways, or
1: wait for the response.
2: Yeah, I mean think of this, though. I mean, you've been married for 100 years, just like me. Your 126, actually. It only think?
1: feels like 117.
2: <laughs> Does your wife understand every single thing you say, or is there a time when she says, uh, what, excuse me? You know, I
5: mean, <laughs> sometimes Don't get me started.
2: I, say, I say things to my wife, or, you know, I may be speaking fast, or I may be out of breath, you know, whatever it is, and she doesn't always understand and asks well, so does Siri. I, I just, I, I think that this stuff is just so frivolous. It, it annoys me, I'll tell you. It does.
1: But at least Siri doesn't spend your money without your permission.
2: <laughs>
1: well, let's hope not. You never know. You know, maybe your wife is in cahoots with Siri. They're planning something. They're planning something on the side that you know nothing about. This is the Siri conspiracy theory. That's almost a tongue twister, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, maybe that's also, you know what's going to happen now? Having said that, someone will say, this guy on the radio said there is a Siri conspiracy theory going on. Or, you know what? (laughs) You know, you can ask if we're going to try this. Let's try it, folks. Okay, here we go. Who killed President John Kennedy? Checking my sources. (laughs) And you know, I came up with what? Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, Siri does not support conspiracy theories. Well, Siri's a straight-laced young lady.
2: Yes, she is.
1: No conspiracy theories. I guess she doesn't listen to the Paracast. Where we talk about conspiracies and <laughs> things like that, and all sorts of weird stuff that go bump in the night. You know, some months back, we actually had Governor Jesse Ventura, who does that conspiracy theory TV show. We had him yeah, on for I love that show. three hours of him. Wow. So, speaking of conspiracy theories, and that's the Siri conspiracy theory <laughs> on the Tech Night How Live with Jim Dalrymple. More coming, I hope. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One Keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash T. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAP podcast
4: In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend.
7: Colleen, talking about her experience with Super Sea veg
4: And with the Super Sea veg I was seeing a lot better results.
7: Super Sea veg with Vita-D and C-Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close.
4: Super Sea veg is a whole food that makes me feel good.
7: Think of Super Sea veg as the un-vitamin.
4: I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me. And Super
7: C-Veg veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee.
4: Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea veg
7: Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, supercveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-C-Veg. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea veg daily is eating right.
0: Iodine protection packs from hempusa.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock save you money and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Hempusa.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with micro plant powder visit us at hempusa.org or call 908 691 today
8: welcome back to your get night out live where you never know what's going to happen next and now it's uncle gene yeah it's him
1: With Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, we have been exploring Siri, conspiracy theories, things that go bump in the night and all sorts of stuff, away with the lawsuits. Big question is here, how does Apple top the new iPad, the iPad third generation, whatever you wish to call it? I mean, some people said it's a modest update, but the retina display is a revolution, isn't it?
2: It really is. It really is. Uh, I had a chance to go to the iPad event in San Francisco and after the event I, I spent a bit of time with a new iPad i uh, just playing around with it and I'll tell you watching Tim Cook demo the iPad and explain the retina display and talk about how many pixels are in there and it's it all it's great you know you kinda get an idea of it but there's no way to actually explain how good that display is until you see it. And it's when like taking the
1: display and- on an iPhone and bumping it up many times that size.
2: Yeah, I mean you can't even say it's like going from the iPhone 3GS to the iPhone 4 when it got a retina display. Because the iPads is so much bigger that it, it's that much more incredible. That when I picked it up, you can tell just just by looking at at the display that it's so much cleaner and crisper and just that much better. I don't do a lot of video or or pictures on my uh, my iPad, but I do read a lot. So you know, I popped open a couple of websites and I I looked around and and read iBooks. You know, I I took some time to scroll through some of this stuff, and it's just it's unbelievable how how clear it is now
1: forgetting just how good it is just achieving this technology has got to be amazing one of our readers over at the tech night owl technightowl.com, put up a blog entry response to my comment he puts up this response saying that he did some research and he couldn't figure out how the heck this could be done for so cheap now according to one report apple is paying 70 dollars for each display which is maybe, what, almost twice what they paid for the display on the previous iPad. The point being here is that he couldn't find anything even at $2,000 to
2: match it. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. I I mean, I guess you could say that it's like going from an SD TV to an HD TV, you know? And
1: remember, the first HD TVs were $10,000, they were $20,000. Yeah. Now you get an HDTV 40-inch set for $350. But remember where the technology was and Apple's in the same boat now. For most people, the technology is such that it's that far out of reach. So Apple basically wrought a miracle
2: here. Well, they basically did. I mean, I, I don't know how they do it for the, for the price that they're doing it, but there it is. And it's, it's remarkable. I wish there was, there was some easy way to, to, to tell people. But, you know, and that's just the, the basic shape and, and size of the iPad remains you know, uh, like it was with the last one. But you can, you can notice a difference. I, I would challenge anybody to walk into an Apple store, pick up an iPad and not see the difference.
1: And when you hear the show, ladies and gentlemen, it will be in the stores. Maybe you won't be able to buy one because everybody is buying them. There's a story, as a matter of fact, right now that says that, what, over 80% of the tablets that industries plan to buy are iPads. And this is a greater percentage. What's happened here is, if you look at the percentage curve, all the other companies are falling down. All they want is iPads. And now you wonder... It's not just what Apple did. Forget about the looks, because obviously a lot of tablets kind of look like that. The retina display is a game changer, because how will other companies be able to build them in any quantity, even if the technology expands, as it will? Apple has, what, a one- or two-year jump against everybody? They've probably ordered yeah.
2: all anyone's capacity for the next two years. Well, that would be typical of Apple, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, they, yeah. They, they just order uh everything they take all of the stock that anybody has
1: in this case you have to because it's a new technology yeah all right we've explored the retina display in theory you see it on tv no tv has the resolution of course they now have what 4k high definition tv sets they're talking about for the future so obviously the tv industry also is interested in getting a better picture high definition ain't enough anymore so Apple has directed a display. Let's go back to the session in San Francisco. Tim Cook, as a presenter, now he was the master of ceremonies. He let other people do most of the presentation. How well does he come across?
2: Oh, Tim comes across really well. Um, you know, Tim has one of these uh, very calming voices that uh, when he talks, you, you listen to him. You trust him. And, you know, he came out and and talked, um, you know, a lot about Apple and its retail stores. And, you know, he made some jokes, and he just came across really well. I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Tim's keynote. He's letting that sense of humor come out. Yeah, yeah, he really did. I mean, he was talking about the new Dutch store uh, that they opened, I believe, in Amsterdam. And he said... And a few people showed up to see it. And he showed like a, a, a picture taken from the rooftop of an, an adjacent building. And people were just lining the streets like five deep and just outside the Apple store. And it was it was very funny, you know, when he said and a few people came to see it um, and people laughed. And, you know, he was he was very engaging
1: this is interesting because you read the accounts of the session, forgetting about watching it, which I would recommend because you can get it from Apple's site. A lot of people reported, and they all say, well, it's Tim
2: Cook, he's not Steve Jobs. Yeah, well, I, and that's, that's very unfortunate. And if people aren't going to give uh, Tim his due um, for the job that he did, then I think that's pretty short-sighted. There yeah, is also a
1: story it, from one skeptic saying, well, Apple's going to run out of creativity now. Everything was invented by Steve Jobs. There's nobody there. We have a company with, what, 50,000 people all across the world, including the people, of course, who work at the stores. They've got Sir Jonathan Ive. Yeah. He's the designer guy. Is he going to disappear because Steve Jobs isn't there?
2: I I, I don't know where, where people get that. Um, yeah, I can understand the... The concern that that some people might have that you know maybe um maybe without Steve uh products aren't going to be as good I mean that's certainly a concern, but Steve instilled this into um everybody at the company, and this is the way that the company works, and I think that they're they've got enough creativity and brains to be able to to say. You know, I, I don't think this is the right way to do it. Let's try this instead. You and know? the one and, thing
1: too is that understand that Tim Cook is not marshmallow. No, he's not right. milk toast. He's a very tough executive. Yes, he's low key, but by any estimate, this guy's a tough guy. And well, you have you to have watch to out if guy. he he's negotiated some pretty hard deals. We have Jim yeah. Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInside I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. Mm-hmm.
9: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN.
1: Great talk radio starts here. Remoter is your ultimate screen-sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just 1099, but wait, go to store.remoterlabs.com, that's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable services,
6: Sure, there are winter specials, and then there are super winter specials at HerbalHealer.com.
11: Battle through this cold and flu season with powerful, natural, and safe flu fighters like Elderberry Power, origicillin, Olive Leaf Capsules, Grapefruit Seed Extract, and resper 8 all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't forget vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs, sale priced at only $9. We also have a Super Winter Special on six homeopathic liquid detoxes, whole body detox, liver detox, kidney detox, lymph detox, brain detox, and lung detox. All liquid detoxes, regularly $26.95, are now just $20. HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on now and save big when you hit the Winter Specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988.
12: How would you like to save over $100 on your gardening seeds this year? You can at GetSeeds.net. GetSeeds offers 100% open-pollinated, heirloom, non-hybrid, GMO-free premium vegetable seeds. On sale now for only $59 for 100 packets. Your 100 packets will include a variety of vegetable seeds, common herb seeds, and garden variety fruits. You can even collect your seeds from the plants you grow so you don't have to purchase more seeds year to year. Go to GetSeeds.net for a chance to buy your seeds at 300-plus percent below online retailers' prices. Save money and get non-hybrid heirloom GMO-free premium growing seeds at GetSeeds.net. GetSeeds.net or call us at 877-341-GROW. That's 877-341-4769. GetSeeds.net.
13: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
1: with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, the man who always gets the information ahead of a lot of other people. He has sources. Obviously, within Apple, around Apple, he won't admit who his sources are because that's not really ethical journalism. And you kind of wonder about that, too. In the journalistic community, I understand about having respected sources and everything else and treating them fairly. Where is journalism nowadays. You kind of wonder if people even understand that anymore.
2: I don't know that a lot of people do. You know, I don't post a lot of of rumors. Uh, I post some interesting things sometimes, but I I tend to debunk more rumors than than I ever post. You know, I'm pretty confident if I say that this is going to happen, then it's going to happen. You know, I think that's the that's the way it should be. A lot of people these days kind of uh, you know, just throw everything against the wall and and not take any responsibility and, and hope it, it sticks. sticks. Yeah, you know, and I suppose that's one way to do it. They get a lot of page views uh, doing that. I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with it, uh, but I understand why they do it.
1: Is that a question there of basically not having an editorial screener?
2: Well, no, I think it's a business model. You know, I think that that's what they they go out and do, and I I, I do believe that there are exceptions to those. I mean, if you have a site like Mac Rumors that posts about uh, rumors, that's what you expect to see there. I can appreciate that. That's different. But when you have a site like CNET that is supposed to be Uh, filled with journalists and they're talking about the latest rumors and they have nothing to back that up well that's that's not journalism
1: and thing i think that i worry about here is that if they don't vet those things nowadays if you're at apple insider if you're at mac rumors those sites are being watched by the mainstream media they come out with the rumors what do you see According to a story at Mac rumors, yep all right
2: yep that 's true i mean the the fact is now, Gene, you remember you know fifteen years ago or twenty years ago, not everybody had a site there you know there was very few of us at that time that uh, that did any kind of reporting or anything, but now everybody can can have a blog and i 'm not saying that 's wrong, I think it 's great because there are a lot of great opinions out there, and people that that take stories about, you know, a, a new Apple product, even the iPad that was just released, and, and they write their opinion about that, I'm I'm thrilled with that because there are some good opinions out there. And sometimes it goes a bit too far. So, you know, people, I, I, I do believe that readers will, uh, readers speak with their eyes.
1: I think they have to basically pay attention to what's going on and realize these rumors are not confirmed. Even the rumor sites will sometimes say, "Well, this source is not always accurate." Yeah, it's not as if they don't give you a reality check. And I see that also at MacRumors.com and AppleInsider.com. They say, "Okay, this site says this," but half the time they're wrong.
2: Yeah, and and those are two perfect examples of uh, rumor sites that uh, I visit. I like them. You know, I, I think that um, they come out with some, some good stories. Uh, but I understand going to those sites uh, that there's going to be rumors there. But my problem is in the mainstream media, if you go to a site that is what you would consider to be a respected journalism site, and they have all these rumors, you take that as fact.
1: They don't vet them. They just simply republish them. They are yeah. copying machines.
2: Yeah, and so you wonder about I, I have that. I have no issue with with rumor sites because you know what you're getting. You can go in, you take it with a grain of salt, and you say, "Well, that sounds reasonable," or "No, that sounds like it's not reasonable at all," and you know you, you move on. But if you go to, to again, I'll take CNET, and you read something there. A lot of consumers look at CNET and say, "Okay, this is this is journalism. This is reporting." Um, And this is fact.
1: Now, that's important. You've written for CNET, haven't you? I have. And I've written for CNET. And I ran to issues, and I'll be frank about it, they'll obviously never hire me back again. I ran to issues where the editors asked me to slant stories to include, shall we say, more negatives or to play up the negatives about a product. And in one case, which really bugged me, I wrote a story, this goes back to the early days of Mac OS X, And I wrote a story about some Mac troubleshooting or something. And one of the editors ran her own agenda with her own information. And it was stuff that was made up. It had nothing to do with facts. And I pointed it out. I said, you know, it's okay. You want to add that stuff that's fine. At least tell me what you're doing so we could go over the information or just put that under your own name. Take credit for it because it's not true. Of course, I didn't write for CNET too much longer after that, but there you go.
2: Yeah, and you know, we keep naming CNET here, but it's not not just CNET. Well, I understand also CNET's not,
1: not just some kind of cockamamie site. I mean, they were pretty big even before they were taken over. They're owned by CBS. Yeah. That makes it worse. Let's look at, speaking of rumors and expectations, story this week that... Apple may be beginning production of this alleged Apple Smart TV or ITV or whatever it's going to be called. I don't think you can call it ITV. There's a network in Great Britain for that. Whatever it's going to be called, production begins in May or June. What do your sources tell you, if anything?
2: Uh, I haven't heard too much about, you know, a supposed Apple TV, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that it's of the realm that Apple would, would have a, a TV because they're they're looking to get into other markets and why shouldn't they? They're one of the biggest uh, uh, consumer electronics companies there is, and well, while they are the biggest company there is, but you know even in consumer electronics they're huge. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have something.
1: Do you have any information that indicates they do?
2: No, I don't. I, would, I, I guess I would like to believe that they do. But I don't have anything that I can concretely say yes.
1: So at this point, nobody's confirming anything. I think the problem we have here is how does Apple separate itself from the pack? Do they simply take the Apple TV interface and transfer it to a real TV? And in that case, what else can they offer? I mean... If you could already add that interface to any tv simply by hooking up this device to it what else can apple bring to the table picture quality what
2: well i mean i think that what you have to to remember about apple is that they're all about solving problems and there are a lot of problems in the tv market these days you know we all have frustrations with with tv and and the networks and everything else so I think people should be looking at what it is that Apple can solve, not necessarily, you know, screen or, you know, anything else. I mean, who knows what what specs would look like for, for an Apple TV.
1: Well, from what Steve Jobs was quoted as saying in that book, the official biography by Walter Isaacson, he cracked the code discovered the secret of the greatest interface ever. He talked about interface, right. about your interaction with a TV set. And I guess you could say, give me Channel 7, and that's some kind of Siri voice recognition, although you have more problems because the average person who watches a TV set, they're sitting, what, 10, 12 feet away in the living room, in the bedroom, or maybe they're picking up the remote control, but mm-hmm. then... If you don't use Apple's remote, you want to use like a Logitech Harmony remote. There's no speech recognition engine in the remote. That's where I was thinking you'd have to put it. You couldn't stick it on the TV set; it would make no sense. How do you do it? We're going to find out more about this and more about what an Apple connected TV might be, if there is going to be one. With Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live.
9: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
14: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack. Attack. of the the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
15: Do you know which 37 crucial food items are going to fly off the shelves when the next disaster hits? If you don't, you and your family may be without food and waiting in long food lines after a big disaster strikes. You would be surprised how many people don't have these food items right now. 123survivalplan.com has set up a for Patriots only video with inside information on the 37 food items that will sell out first when the next disaster strikes. The video on 123survivalplan.com has crucially information you and your family need to prepare for any disaster natural or man-made and you won't have to be afraid of going hungry or being sent to a fema refugee camp see the video that over one million other smart patriots have already seen in the last four months prepared now go to 123 survival and learn which 37 food items you should hoard easy to remember 123 survival
16: again that's 123 survival com. You know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com. Combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A, vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
17: Have you ever seen a U.S. postage stamp featuring Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, or George Washington? If you're into stamp collecting, you know it's a fun, affordable hobby. America's leading stamp dealer is the Mystic Stamp Company, and they want you to have their free 140-page color catalog. Go to mysticstampad.com, the website of the Mystic Stamp Company. Serving stamp collectors since 1923, Mystic Stamp is well-known in the industry for its experience, superior customer service, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to ad.com to request your free 140-page U.S. Stamp Color Catalog packed with collecting tips, special offers, color photos, and over 4,600 available stamps. Call 800-433-7811 or go to mysticstampad.com. That's 800-433-7811 and ask for your free U.S. Stamp Catalog or mysticstampad.com. Mystic Stamp Company, America's leading stamp dealer. Do you know
13: what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
1: One more segment with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, speaking about the possibility of Apple producing a connected TV. I said voice recognition, but don't you agree with me? You couldn't put it in the TV. You'd have to stick it maybe in the remote. But if you did that, then people who want to use a universal remote, they're stuck, unless this is the ultimate universal remote that replaces a Logitech Harmony or anything else.
2: And and we're looking at this, you know, Apple has probably been been through this same discussion so many times. and, And they're probably already beyond it. And when it comes out, we'll look at it and say, of course.
1: Now, the other issue suggested by some people, and I worry about it, Apple is making subscription deals with the content providers. So they become what? The alternative to people who want to cut the cord on their TV cable. They don't use your normal cable TV, Comcast, Cox, whatever the company is, or satellite TV. You use Apple. But if Apple is feeding that stuff online through iCloud, suddenly you hit the bandwidth cap from your cable TV provider that maybe you're subscribing to them for their internet. You know, they lose their TV business, they're giving you the high-speed internet, but almost all of them, they have a limit. And maybe you don't reach the limit for normal use and services, even downloading a few major Apple upgrades or buying a new Apple OS with three or four gigabytes. But if you're watching high-definition TV, Six, eight hours a day, a couple of people in the family watching different TV sets, you know, the broadband providers are going to freak.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there, there are so many things that uh, an Apple TV, so many segments of the market that it could touch and change. We just don't know. We don't know everything that could happen. But yeah, there, there are going to be some people that I think if Apple ever did release something, Um people will be very upset. It's going to be a
1: problem. It's going to be a problem. I think what's happened now, though, is we have a situation here where what Steve said before he died spooked the industry. That's why, for example, Lenovo is coming out with a connected TV set because I think it's because they perceive Apple's going to do it, not because they see as a PC maker, mostly notebooks, that there's a need for them to make TV sets. Is there a need for any other companies to make TV sets? I mean, the market is so saturated. It's not like smartphones. It's not so much like tablets, which had gone nowhere. And smartphones were more and more business products, although consumers bought Blackberries. In the case of TV sets, we all have them, many of them. Even if the Apple TV set had the greatest interface on the planet, it's not the same thing getting market penetration.
2: Well, it's not what we know now. You know, uh, we don't know what what it'll be when, when this all happens.
1: Maybe it'll be the Apple iPad TV where you stick it over your head.
2: Who knows?
1: And watch if the show. You're,
2: if you're right, then you're going to get a cookie on that one.
1: <laughs> the only cookie I get is the one on my website, all the little cookies yep. that we send out. That's how it goes. But speaking of which, let's look briefly at... The other product that Apple introduced, because we've talked about the new iPad and I'm sure you've all heard about it, the Apple TV, the new version of the Apple TV, the basic change is 1080p as opposed to 720p in terms of high definition. That's the same resolution as Blu-ray, for example, and the best TV sets. Did you get a chance to look at that
10: at all?
2: I did. I I got uh, a quick minute to, to have a look at it. I, I was very impressed. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Apple TV user. I I love my Apple TV, and you know, for for me to have even better quality of movies and TV shows and you know everything that I can get at at 1080, that's that's huge. I love There's that. There's a published report that suggests that Apple has refined
1: the way they encode the TV. Downloads or the movie downloads in a way that they get the higher resolution, but the size of the file is what ten, twenty percent larger. They made it more efficient.
2: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Apple's got the technology uh, to be able to do that, so it makes sense that you know when it comes time to to take seven twenty p movies and make them you know available in ten eighty, you're gonna you're gonna see. Not as big as files, but still great quality. So, yeah, I I don't doubt that they found some way to to encode these things so that they're they're great. I mean, I downloaded a uh, when I download movies on my on my Apple TV um, right now they're they're very quick, you know. And I don't expect that to be any different when I click purchase or you know rent or whatever it's going to be than. It's there very fast.
1: Just to bear in mind, Apple tells you that to get 720p, you need a 6-megabit connection. To get 1080p, you need an 8-megabit connection. If your broadband can't provide that routinely, it may not work. Of course, there is a buffer. I mean, there's a, what, a 4-gigabyte buffer in the Apple TV where it can bring down most of the program if you give it a while. You know, if you don't just try to watch it immediately... Maybe you give it a half hour or an hour, and then watch the movie. A lot of it is actually downloaded to this buffer,
2: right? And mine, mine is coming in in seconds. You know, I click buy, and it's there. What we
1: usually do is before I go get lunch, if we do a takeout meal or dinner is being prepared, what I will do is reserve the movie like an hour or two earlier. So if there's any internet traffic glitch or something in Apple, I don't miss out on the movie having to wait. And we had that problem, I think, early on with the Apple TV where we'd have to wait to get the shows. This way, we kind of hedge our bets. So we'll have to see what happens when we get the Apple TV here, where it's going to go, and what Apple's going to do in terms of the content provision, what Apple might do in terms of the TV. But getting back to the iPad before we let you leave the building with Elvis, that is how many things can Apple come up with year after year before you saturate what the improvements would be other than the incremental improvements like you see on a Mac where each year it's a little faster and a little bit more memory or maybe a bigger hard drive. Do we reach the point where with tablet technology, you have retina display, that's as good as you're going to get with 3D. You're going to have a faster processor, but at some point, the improvements have to be more incremental.
2: Well, I think that we've we've thought that for a long time, really. You know, with all products. Well, what else? Are, what else can they do? And they always find something. You know, there's always something there. So, I I don't think that uh, they'll certainly run out of things to do
1: it's a question of the degree is what i'm saying yeah I i mean obviously you can always have a faster processor you can always play more powerful games faster hopefully as broadband services expand you'll be able to retrieve your stuff faster you'll have more capacity get more stuff on there as flash memory gets cheaper but these are incremental upgrades it doesn't change the technology it's not like the retina display which does
2: well we 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 kind of I don't know I, you have to look inside and outside. I think if if you're looking at changing technology in the way that uh, that Apple especially does things because Apple changes design, they change uh, you know LTE, they change Retina display, uh, they may change the Wi-Fi that's in there. They have quad core graphics chip in there now on the uh, A5X. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go on inside of of an ipad that looks virtually the same as the current ipad but it's a lot better so if you look to the future and and what apple could possibly do for you know an ipad or an iphone or even a mac i mean and you start thinking about the components and the ways that it can get better i mean, it's it's almost endless
1: I think also the one way where Apple could make a big improvement, and this depends on miniaturization of the parts, it depends on battery technology and making the electronics more efficient, is making it thinner and lighter. Now, maybe being, what, half a millimeter thicker, weighing, what, an ounce more, isn't a big deal. But it's hard to hold in one hand. But if you brought that thing down to, like, 14, 15 ounces, hmm. Well,
2: that's always a possibility, too. <laughs> I mean, for Apple, it's all about, I, I think, making sure at this point that we have the latest in technology. So if they bring the size of the iPad down or they bring the weight of the iPad down, then you have to start getting rid of components or wait for those components to be smaller so or I mean, apple no convinces
1: weight. somebody to get it out faster because here's a billion dollars jim dalrymple sure. tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff
2: they can find me at loopinsight.com or at j on twitter jim
1: dalrymple thanks for joining us on the tech night out live thanks a lot gene <laughs>
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now,
1: here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider, and we're going to focus, obviously, on iPad all the time, but not completely. We'll get into other topics. But one thing I want to ask you to get started, Daniel, is that... There seems to be an obsession on the part of some members of the media about a smaller iPad. There must be a 7-inch or a 7.85-inch, and I don't understand the reasoning behind that particular form factor. But why do we care whether or not Apple has a different version
18: of the iPad? Well, I can't speak for the people who are repeating the stories, but I can see a number of reasons. One, One is people like to guess things that could possibly be right. And so in guessing that there's going to be an iPad mini, it's kind of pattern recognition because the the iPod came out in a mini version. But that served a a very clear purpose. A lot of people were using um, Flash RAM, smaller, cheaper music devices when Apple was selling its higher-end hard drive-based iPod. That's not really... The case here, if you compare the two situations, nobody's really buying uh, those smaller tablets, apart from the Kindle Fire and the the Nook, the Barnes and Noble Nook, which are selling, you know, in 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 such a small numbers. I mean, like a few million. I think in the 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 entire Christmas season, there was maybe five or six million of them combined that were sold. So I mean, this is not a huge market that Apple needs to to retain market share. Also, the purpose of the product,
1: which is I would think that a 7-inch form factor may be just fine for reading e-books or something like that or watching a video. But if you're trying to do anything in
18: terms of creativity, it gets to be a bad form factor. That's another issue. Yeah, if you look at the things that Apple has been doing, I mean, the, the applications Apple's been making for the iPad, they, they don't really scale down well. I mean, for example, you have I, the new iPhoto app. Uh, it, it does work on the iPhone but it works on a very different scale. It would be difficult to take the iPad app and scale it down by that much percentage. It would be difficult to take most iPad apps and just scale them down because the problem is, remember with computers, we were constantly scaling up and down the interface, and in some cases you'd end up with little tiny menu bars on Mac OS X, um or other things that you could adjust in some cases. Or you just pick a resolution that made sense for the screen that you bought. Well, it's kind of different in a handheld device because not only is the the ratio of your buttons has to kind of be the same, but also your fingers don't change size. So it makes more sense for Apple to keep the same form factor with the iPad. We've seen no indication from Apple that they're interested in changing that. I kind of speculated... Um, last fall when they were talking about you know, perhaps there's going to be something, I'm saying it's more likely that Apple would make an iPod Touch with a bigger screen, kind of like the Kindle, because that's what the Kindle is. The Kindle is not an iPad scaled down to 70%. It is an iPod Touch, basically, scaled up. It's, a, it's an Android smartphone with a bigger screen, not really a high-resolution screen. It's really just a stretched smartphone experience. And so then, it,
1: therefore, it, Apple would maybe make a
18: larger screened iPod Touch? Well, I mean, I I kind of speculated about that. But if you look at the sales of Apple's iPod Touch, it's not really that big. If you look at the sales of the iPhone, they're tremendous. If you look at Apple's sales of iPods, people keep liking to talk about how the iPod is going down. Well, it's because the iPhone is becoming an iPod.
16: Well, the thing is, here also,
18: the market for the standalone music player is
1: diminishing. Apple still has 70 or 80% of the market, of a
18: smaller market... But how can you not call the iPhone an iPod, in part? Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, people look at, oh, you know, Apple's selling great with iPhones and iPads, but look at the iPod. It's not selling as well as it used to. Well, you know, duh, of course it isn't, because now people can do the same thing with their iPhone or with their iPad or whatever. But, you know, people like to to point at that. But the the interesting thing about that is half of Apple's iPod sales, which are, you know, in the range of like nine million a, a quarter, half of those are iPod Touch. So that's... Apple selling about as many iPod touches as Amazon sold with their first blowout of Kindles, so does Apple really need to make another iPod touch? I mean, I was kind of suggesting Apple could make a game console you know like a, small, a slightly bigger oversized iPod touch, kind of the same thing with Nintendo did with the the DS They made a big screen ds it 's the same thing it 's just a little bit stretched out, and I was you know speculating that Apple could kind of get in you know target more on gamers where you 're kind of entering a new Product niche. That there's some sense to that. We don't. There's no proof that Apple's going to do that. But there's really no sense, nor any proof, that Apple's going to make a smaller iPad. I don't see any benefit. I don't see any of the existing customers benefiting from it. I don't see any outside markets that are not being addressed by the iPad that would be if Apple had a small iPad. Well, the only one maybe e-book reading. With one hand, because maybe the iPad's
1: a little bit heavy for that. That's about it.
18: Yeah, and if you think about also when the iPad first came out, people said, oh, is there really a space between the smartphone and the computer? Like the netbook and the notebook and that and the the smartphone. Is there even a space there? I don't think there is. And then the iPad comes out and proves, yes, there is a space there. People definitely want a product that fits between those two devices. And now they just jump to the conclusion, well, there's just infinite product spaces everywhere. There's spaces between the iPhone and the iPad. No, there isn't. We don't have any proof of that. We've had every vendor on earth trying to come out with a 7-inch iPad alternative, and not a, one of them has made any traction whatsoever. I mean, the best, the best is the profitless Kindle Fire, which is a loss leader, and it's, it's sold to a, you know, Amazon has a, a loyal market, a, a, a loyal group of, of readers and users. You'd think if anybody could do it, Amazon could. Amazon can't even do it and make money on it. Well, the thing
1: to realize too, with regard to the Kindle Fire, a lot of people might just have bought that not because they preferred it as an alternative to the iPad, but the iPad was just plain too expensive for them.
18: Yeah, I mean it's it's a cheaper alternative. And it, it, another thing to think about in terms of will Apple make a, a smaller iPad is right now Apple has a five hundred dollar you know new iPad and then it has the four hundred dollar iPad too. What? price differentiation is there, how much cheaper can you get where you're not just like stomping all over your own sales in a way that doesn't make any sense. Apple is more likely than other companies to cannibalize its own products when it's going from a cheaper product to a more expensive one. But it's not very likely to, for example, it didn't destroy its Macintosh sales to come out with a netbook, you know, some cheap $200 notebook that people would buy and then be disappointed with the Macintosh brand because of. So they didn't do that. They came out with a, another product that was differentiated, and people were happy with that, with the experience they got, for how much they paid for it. But there's no evidence that, there's, that you can you know, create a new market underneath that. And there does not seem to be any rational basis for even postulating that.
1: Now, the other issue, of course, is some of those reports suggest Apple is already sampling 7.85 inch screens and again i have to ask you why that size
18: apple did make i mean uh tim cook you know ended the ipad event with this picture of the sunset or whatever it was you know starburst of you know 2,000 is going to be crazy um apple is pretty good at surprising people with new products so it's not difficult to imagine that apple could come out with a new product, whether it's in you know, something like automotive space or wherever, that is a surprise. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised to be surprised by a new product introduction. But I would be fairly surprised to see Apple try to say, here's the iPad mini that works, does your same apps, but it scales them down onto a screen that a couple years ago, Steve Jobs said wasn't going to work. I don't see that happening.
1: I would also think that, if anything, Apple will find ways to build the iPad cheaper. Right now, it's reported that Apple spends $70 on that screen, which is quite a bit more than the screen on the previous iPad. So they're sacrificing profits. But Apple, if they sacrifice too many profits, well, that hurts the company's bottom line seriously. They're expecting they will sell enough of these, and the manufacturing processes will improve to the point where it doesn't matter that the retina display is more expensive today because next year it may not be because again the manufacturing will be much better the manufacturing will be more efficient and apple will have other tricks to offer we're getting all these tricks and advice from daniel aaron dilger of apple insider and roughly drafted magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live <laughs>
4: In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend.
7: Colleen, talking about her experience with Super Sea veg
4: And with the Super Sea veg I was seeing a lot better results.
7: Super Sea veg with Vita-D and C-Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close.
4: Super Sea veg is a whole food that makes me feel good.
7: Think of Super Sea veg as the un-vitamin.
4: I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me.
7: And Super C- veg comes with a 90-day
4: money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea veg
7: Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, supercveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-C-Veg. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea veg daily
19: is eating right. These are strange days indeed, from economic turmoil to weather-related events and, yes, even power outages. Hi, everybody. Jason Lewis here. Let me tell you why I use WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com provides the most affordable and complete ready-made meals for emergency preparedness and outdoor use. Their entrees like pasta alfredo, savory stroganoff, and apple cinnamon cereal carry a 25-year shelf life and are prepared in minutes simply by adding water. They even provide great-tasting a la carte items like freeze-dried fruits, vegetables, and desserts to ensure that you have more nutrition and energy when you need it most. Visit wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample and see for yourself why they are the best in the business. For a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 1-855-FOODWISE and be sure to mention the promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Be wise and be ready with wisefoodstorage.com
1: With Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, we're exploring the possibilities or lack thereof for a smaller iPad form factor. Apple's denigrated the possibility. We see no evidence also that there was a big uptick in Kindle Fire sales after the holiday season was over. They bought them for the holidays, maybe because they were just cheap. And we're not seeing any evidence that any of those products gained traction after the first of the year. So you still have to wonder about
18: these rumors. There was a lot of initial traction for netbooks, too. And that market is cratered. We had someone on the show, by the way, a few weeks ago, trying to claim that netbooks were still relevant. Well, I mean, there may be some people that are still buying them, but it, it's, it's like when you... Um, I think if you compare the... Demand curve for netbooks with a demand curve for something like the iPod. The iPod got went from almost nothing. I mean, we didn't we didn't have MP3 players like the iPod before the iPod. Apple kind of invented the category. There were there were some like little niche things that nobody knew about, but Apple made that mainstream just
1: huge. And I'll tell you, if you played with some of those little products, you know why nobody knew about
18: them. <laughs> yeah, they were awful. And a, Rio, a couple different devices. But, I mean, Apple turned it into this huge product. And then before it started going down, they jumped off to the next wave. I mean, I mean remember in you know, 2006, Microsoft was saying, oh, we're going to beat the iPod. We're going to come out with the Zoom, blah, blah. Apple comes out, boom, with the iPhone. At that point, the market for iPods started to be eaten up by iPhone sales. Apple realized where the market was going
1: and stayed a step ahead, which is another big thing, knowing when your product is no longer going to be relevant, that you have to get onto something else, and that's where
18: being a smart product planner comes into play. And that kind of ties back to what you're saying about the more expensive retina to screen on the, the new iPad and how it's expensive and you know how Apple's making less money on it, a little bit less. You can either compete with yourself, you can outdo yourself, or... You can sit around with the product that's making money and let somebody else compete with you. You milk it for what whatever you, you can yeah. get, which is kind of what Microsoft has done
1: for so many years, milking Windows with ridiculous improvements. Of course, now I consider the current improvement, Windows 8 and Metro, to be more ridiculous.
18: Yeah, it is. I don't understand. Where, where well, it's
1: I good, have but. an article that I wrote about kind of a needle in the haystack thing, and it'll be up at But Let me give you a preview of it. What I'm suggesting here is that Microsoft first has something like the ribbon. The ribbon is basically a glorified toolbar. I mean, ribbon, ribbon, ribbon. Go back to applications 10, 15, 20 years ago with big, expansive toolbars and look at them when they're context-sensitive. When you change the function of what the application is doing, the toolbar changes. How is that original to Microsoft? It's just a different name for the same thing. Well, it's Am really I missing soft- something here?
18: Microsoft went to its customers and said, how do you work? What crazy buttons do you push? And the responses they got, the information they got from their customers were, yeah, we do ridiculous stuff. We, we we want access to all these buttons, blah, blah, blah. That's not how you make a great product. That's how you anchor your product in the past is to ask people from a previous generation that are used to using old software from the 80s how they use it. If If you were... Sent back in time to you know 1980, and you were asked people that were using WordPerfect and you know whatever DOS applications we had. How would how would you like to improve DOS applications? They would give you all kinds of ideas. They would firmly entrance you into making the same kind of stuff that was around in the early 80s. They would not tell you, "I want you know uh, something like the Macintosh. I want something that's going to turn into Mac OS 10, like next." That's the difference of looking at in your rear view mirror to to drive and looking forward. Steve Jobs said this thing about, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you have to keep your eye on where the puck is going to be. You don't look at where the target is now. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Like Microsoft, they looked at the iPod and said, how do we beat that? Well, here's an iPod that, you know, has Wi-Fi on it, on it you know, Wi-Fi sync and, you know, a bigger display or whatever. I can't even remember what the Zoom was, but... They I don't think Microsoft, Microsoft remembers either. Anchored in 2005 and 2004. And then Apple was coming out with something that was five years ahead of the industry and just destroyed Microsoft's little business of smartphones that was around and kind of left the iPod behind. I mean, they kind of backwardly made the iPhone into an iPod and now half of Apple's iPod sales are that iPhone named iPod Touch. But they reinvented things by, by not by asking customers, how do you like to use the existing product? But here's a better way to do it. We studied the problem. We we, we know what the problems are. We're solving those problems, not what your problems with
1: dealing with the old product. Well, okay, we look at the ribbon, for example, and the problem I have with, say, Microsoft Word is a lot of functions that used to be in a simple menu bar command are strewn over this excessive iconic display, and looking at it really fast, you have to, number one, Recognize and separate one of these icons from another, one of these buttons from another, to actually see the tiny illustration or something. They all blur together. And then you have to figure out where is the one I need for the thing I'm trying to do. I'm not just looking for a written label in text. I can't do that because it doesn't exist anymore. It's like, for example, you use track changes on Microsoft Word. This is the feature writers use, anyone doing collaborative work where you want to see who is making the edits, what they are, decide whether to keep those edits or change them to new ones. And certainly, I'm sure Daniel has run into this writing a book, of course, about one of the versions of Mac OS X Server. Okay, now, the way they've changed it on the Mac version of Word is now it's one of those ribbon buttons. You can engage track changes from the menu bar command, but to accept or reject the changes, you've got to click on one of these tiny buttons that you can barely see or remember where it is the next time. Oh, it's like one third of the way from the left. I mean, this is absurd. So instead of having one way to do something, you now have to do two different functions, get some of it from the menu bar, other functions from the ribbon. Who could have thunk that? It's crazy.
18: There are some people that are going to like that, but you know, again, if you dial back into the early, you know, mid '80s, there are people that looked at with scorn upon the Macintosh desktop and said, "Why would I want to do that? I know all the key combinations for perfect, and I also know all the key combinations for, you know, Lotus One Two Three, and I memorized all these different apps, all these different key combinations. Why would I want to learn one set of key combinations for all of them?" Yeah, there's a lot of people that are stuck in the past, but if you look at the iPad and what's making it popular, it's because it's a new generation of looking at things and saying how do we make something that's accessible and easy to use and instead of continuing the old desktop interface which at, at one point was intuitive to a certain group of people. But now we're branching out devices, these post-PC devices that I was talking about, is you're bringing computers to people who are wider than the, the group of people that were using computers in the past. And if you think back to like the late 70s, there was like a small group of people that were using these really technical computers, but it wasn't accessible to a large audience. When Apple came out with the Macintosh, it made it accessible to more people. You didn't have to understand programming and a lot of things we're talking to daniel aaron dilger
1: i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing
9: the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great
1: talk radio starts here Remoter is your ultimate screen-sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just ten ninety nine. but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off.
6: Sure,
11: there are winter specials, and then there are super winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Battle through this cold and flu season with powerful, natural, and safe flu fighters like Elderberry Power, Origosilin, Olive Leaf Capsules, Grapefruit Seed Extract, and Respir8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't forget vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs, sale priced at only $9. We also have a Super Winter Special on six homeopathic liquid detoxes, whole body detox, liver detox, kidney detox, lymph detox, brain detox, and lung detox. All liquid detoxes, regularly $26.95, are now just $20. HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on now and save big when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. What if pain could be reduced,
20: ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep-penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at bio.com. Dash spelled bio-mats.com spelled b-i-o-dash-m-a-t-s-dot-c-o-m or call 360-944-8692 that's 360-944-8692 visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a biomat
13: what's going to happen next you never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene
1: Steinberg. With Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. I'm the Tech Night Owl Live. We were talking about the way Microsoft looks, which is backwards. How people are using things and simply have products that recognize what they perceive to be the way people are using it, rather than saying, what's a better way? Where's this technology going? How can we take it there? Another argument I have is the Metro interface with tiles, not icons. And the tiles are all the same. It's all a bunch of rectangular objects. that all look just about the same with light white text labels. And if you get the really dark greens, you can't read the white text. And there's no differentiation. I mean, if you look at an icon for your different Mac apps, they all have distinctive shapes, dimensional, three-dimensional. They will look even sharper and clearer on the new iPad's retina display. With Microsoft, you're taking the same shape for everything. So you can't go by shape because the shape is the same. You can't go by color because the colors are the same. You have to go by the label, but the label may not be easy to read. So you don't know what you're doing. There's no distinctive of, like, icon. I know this is mail. I know this is contact list.
18: It reminds me a lot of when Windows came out and it was trying to be the Macintosh desktop. And they were, they were copying a lot of the ideas, but they weren't getting this, what made it good. I was kind of disappointed that Microsoft didn't copy the ideas and make it better. But they, they copied some of the look, but made it worse, like considerably worse. And we don't have to talk about Windows because everybody knows that Windows is worse than the Mac, <laughs> on a user interface level at least. But Metro is 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 looking at iOS and saying, how can we rip this off but make it different enough so that it looks like we're being original? And all the things that you're talking about are taking iOS and making things worse about it. The thought that they're making it better. So they say, oh, we're going to take an icon and instead of having to just be the static icon, we're going to make it dynamic so it can update and show you new information and, you know, Almost like a widget. Well, the problem with that is, first of all, you lose the branding of the icon. So you can instantly look at your iPhone and see all these different icons, and they, they're branded by the developer to give you the sense of who the developer is that's buying it. So Adobe can make a bunch of icons that look like Adobe stuff. It's just like the dock icons, like icons that have always existed. Now, Apple could make those more dynamic in the future. We've already added, what do you call them, the branding little notification buttons, stuff like that, that is an addition without destroying the the branding and the readability and the discoverability and, and the obviousness of what something is. When you just reduce it down to colored rectangles that are all kind of primary colors and often the same color, yeah, you're just throwing away all kinds of information. But more interestingly, Microsoft is trying to do the same thing they did with Windows, take their old product, put this layer of makeup on top of it and call it a new product. When reality... Windows 8 is Windows 7.1, a service pack, with a Bob interface on top. I mean, it's just like this dummy
1: interface. That As a matter of fact, if you go beneath it and look at the regular screens for
18: the regular applications, it's the
1: same old thing.
18: Yeah. It's just like in Windows when you, when you crash or something and it dropped you into DOS.
1: And of course, they say well,
18: Windows does not have DOS anymore. And corporate users are, are mm-hmm. not going to use it at all. So Microsoft is ushering this in like it's the future when they know that, you know, their most useful, the most valuable customers are going to ignore it. It's just bizarre. I don't understand what they're thinking. It's pretty much nuts.
1: And I also wonder about the critics who say, okay, so Apple's competition this year, they have to confront Windows 8. Windows 8 is going to be on tablets and it's going to take over the market. Well, you know, Windows 8 is using the interface that was on Windows Phone 7, which came on the market. And nobody cared. So why should they care
18: about Windows 8 on a tablet. Well, people like to see patterns. So they discovered this pattern where Apple comes out with something and Microsoft rips it off. And they see that once, and they expect that to happen forever. And Microsoft ripped a lot of people off and did it successfully. But if you look at the last 10 years, across the 2000s, Microsoft tried to rip a lot of people off and failed dramatically. They tried to rip off the iPod. They tried to rip off iTunes. They tried to rip off everything Apple did. They tried to rip off Apple stores. None of those things have even just had a glimmer of... You know, there is a Microsoft store, but I think three people have seen it. Yeah, I mean, to get people to their stores, they have to bring in, you know, top A-list talent to do a concert. That's the only reason people go to a Microsoft store. Why would you go to a Microsoft store? And you know,
1: the Apple store has been around for what, 10 years now? I went over to the, the Apple store in North Scottsdale, Arizona. And we're talking about the fact that the first Apple store in Arizona came out around 10 years ago. It was one of the second or third store that Apple opened. And now it's 10 years later and I go into the store and it's still packed.
18: Yeah. Well, people have a reason to go to it because they're getting something from it. They're getting... It's not just buying stuff. You're getting... You can get an education on the products. You can get service and support. That's right there. Microsoft doesn't support everything. You can't like buy a PC and bring it to Microsoft and expect them to figure it out for you. I mean, Microsoft can't afford to do that. They're not making any money from these devices. They're just selling some software for it. So, I mean, the whole point, what's the Microsoft Store for? They're just trying to copy Apple. They don't even understand what they're doing it for. I mean, it, their strategy just doesn't make any sense. It, it's just, like, obviously bad. There are some cases where you can look at a business strategy, and you don't understand all of what they're doing, and you don't understand what the information they have that you don't have, and they're doing something that, that all of a sudden is like, oh, that's why they're doing it, and it clicks into place. Microsoft, doesn't matter how much information you have. In fact, the more information you do have, the more obvious it is that they just don't know what they're doing. And it's obvious in the acquisitions they made, I mean, they bought Danger. They bought basically the beginning of Android, turned it into a a smartphone for teens that completely failed, tried to salvage some of it to make Windows Phone 7 after Windows Mobile failed, and Windows Phone 7 has failed. And you have the tech media that really loves Microsoft just going on and on about how great it is and how it would be awesome if people could just buy this product and restore Microsoft to their 90s position of ruling the world. No, it wouldn't, because this is not a good product. I've used Windows Phone 7. It's not that it's such a terrible thing. It's just there's nothing good about it. They don't deserve any part of the market. I mean, they have to work for it. And if they're not attracting people to it, it's not because the world is biased against them. It's because the product isn't good enough. Well, this is the problem here. Microsoft
1: was able to conquer that perception with Windows, even though the product was almost as good, the almost as good factor they were able to make it work because Apple, in some respects, was doing some very bad things about marketing, so maybe the combination. They made that work, especially in the corporate market. But now they've seen a situation where 10 years after Windows XP came out, despite Windows 7, Windows Vista, and the promise of Windows
18: 8, half the personal computers are still using Windows XP. And the the market... It's very different than it was when Windows came out. Because like you're saying to I me, mean, not only it, Apple at the time you know, had, I think at one point they were f- flirting with 10% market share which is kind of similar to where they're at now with all PCs on Earth, but the PC market was so much smaller that Apple's share didn't almost matter in, in terms of a, a big market. Also Apple was very specifically targeting certain markets. And now Apple is very mainstream. And if you look at the Mac itself isn't such a critically huge part of the PC market, but they're taking all the profits. And more importantly, iOS, with the iPad particularly, Apple's selling more iPads than any of the top PC makers are selling all of their computers. That's crazy. That was never the case before. Apple was never this huge company that had you know tremendous following across mainstream users. Apple was a small bit player with computers that were more expensive. And Microsoft allowed a bunch of companies. I mean, Microsoft's role was a lot more like Android's role today, where Microsoft was just kind of like allowing a lot of companies to make their products look more like Apple's so they could sell some of them. But even with Android, I mean, Android's not doing... People like to talk about how many devices have Android on them, but they're not the same version of Android. It's not the same thing. Even the current version, according to
1: the last estimate I heard... This is Ice Cream Sandwich, the latest and greatest version of the Android OS. I think the user base is 1.6% because only a very few devices have it. Most of those Android devices are using older versions of the OS and they will never be able to upgrade. We can always upgrade Daniel Aaron Dilger because he's writing all that great stuff for RoughlyDrafted.com and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
14: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack, attack of the Rock. a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
20: absorption of food nutrients aids in controlling yeast infections is never freeze dried and uses three groups of live viable beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins order proem1 daily probiotic cleanse at terraganics.com spelled t e r a g a n i x.com terraganics.com or call toll free 866-369-3678 that's 866-369-3678 proem1 the raw probiotic Iodine protection packs
0: from hempusa.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at hempusa.org or call 908 691 2608 today.
13: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to The Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg.
1: We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We were talking about the things Microsoft is doing wrong. There's a story, by the way, over at Fox News. And the headline is, Former Microsoft Employee is Fixing Windows 8. And what this means is somebody who used to work for Microsoft has a blog launched earlier this month where he's showing what's wrong with Windows 8 and what Apple needs to do to make it work better. There's a guy named Michael Bibbick Jr. of Seattle. And he is somebody who worked as a program manager at Microsoft from 2003 to 2007. Of course, Microsoft's not going to read it. And of course, at this point, it's too late. If Microsoft has a consumer preview of Windows 8 now out and the final version is due, what, this fall, the way Microsoft works, they're not going to be able to change much. What you're seeing in that consumer preview is 99.9% of what you'll get.
18: Yeah, Microsoft isn't tremendously dramatic or um, dynamic in their ability to shift things. I mean, if, if you look at Windows Mobile, they kept talking about how Windows Mobile 6.1 was going to turn things around and 6.5, and they were taking a year to do very little. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, I don't understand how Microsoft can do so little in a year. And Apple can just, like, it's almost interesting. I've, I've done some retrospective pieces, you know, at the beginning of the year and last year, and, and I look back and I, you're actually kind of reliving this because you forget it after you write it. And you realize, oh, it's crazy what Apple did in, just last year. I mean, just every product they released was just blockbuster, off-the-charts crazy. And part of that is because Apple doesn't release, doesn't try to release every product in the world. But it's pretty impressive that, I mean, Apple has music players, and they have tablets, and they have phones, and they have computers. And they're just blowing everybody away on every front. That's not something you see in, in very often. It's pretty crazy. and And to come out with just, updating everything on this frantic pace and keeping ahead of everyone else in ultrabooks and keeping, you know, just there's just no competition for the iPod or the iPad. And with the iPhone, they've taken all the profits from the mobile industry, something like 80%. And, you know, the most popular phone on earth and, you know, in the United States, every major carrier in the United States is trumpeting 4g and trying to sell people on 4g and just 4g, 4g, 4g in your face. And the iPhone is not marketed as a 4g phone.
1: Unless you get
18: AT&T, they're calling it 4G now with a new interface. Well, <laughs> it, it depends on who's defining 4G, because the ITU originally defined 4G in a way that doesn't no network on Earth is 4G yet.
1: Okay, we understand the 4G conundrum, and also <laughs> T-Mobile is selling that slightly higher bandwidth capability as 4G. I want to read three bulleted points from this blog that are quoted in the Fox News article. And you're going to get enjoy this. And listeners, just listen to this now. Windows 8, there's a consumer preview. So if you've got a Mac with Parallels Desktop, there's an official way to go to Microsoft and download and install the customer preview. If you have a Windows PC, you can do it. It's free. Go ahead. I guess it has an expiration date. Who cares? Here's what the guy says in this blog, former Microsoft executive. Windows 8 just jumps you into the start screen. No tutorial, no help icon on the main screen, nothing. This will be fixed by launch, or Windows 8 will fail. Let me give you another one. The new Windows Start button is invisible. Actually, they removed the Start button and left some dead space where it used to be. This is like programming one-on-one, folks. Third one. Metro apps do not have window controls. How does a user know how to exit a Metro app? They can't minimize. They can't maximize. They can't exit. I'm pretty sure this is where 75% of first-time users will simply give up. This will be so frustrating, people won't even try to fix it. Now, if you hear all these things from former Microsoft executives, it's obvious. It's something that you look at the Windows 8 interface, and you see he's telling you the truth. How come Microsoft didn't get it?
18: How come they didn't get Windows Vista? (laughs) <laughs> and if you look at Windows Vista, everybody just hated on Windows Vista after it came out. I mean, all the supporters were like, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then it came out and everybody just hated it. And then in retrospect, everybody else hated it. It was kind of like, you know, George Bush. Even the Republicans hated him after he was out. But, you know, they loved him while he was there. He doesn't but, exist, apparently, <laughs> now. Of course, you pretend that he's not anyway. around. The last president was right. Anyway, Windows Vista, uh, everybody is pretty much in unanimous agreement that Windows Vista was awful, but it wasn't really that much different. I mean, there was like, there were, you know, I'm, I was pretty experienced with Windows and um, I found it frustrating that, you know, certain things didn't work and, and you had to find new drivers and you had to find new settings or in different places. And it was just frustrating, but it was still Windows. I mean, it wasn't that different with, with this Metro thing. They're just, they're just scraping everything that anyone could find familiar off the desktop. And there's a video um somebody put it in front of their dad and asked them to navigate around and he was just <laughs> flummoxed you know just like what's going on and there's nothing to target there's nothing on the screen and you're just like rolling it over looking for pop-ups and you're supposed to know that there's gestures and stuff that so you pull in stuff from the sides and it it's just it's so far it's it's really bad i mean you would think they could pull some of that together by the time they want to launch it at the end of the year um but just the fact Even if you don't just scrub everything off like you're talking about, there's just such egregious ridiculousness to take away everything people know. Even if you make it somewhat familiar, but very different, people are going to be super confused. And if you look at the iPad, for example, it was very different. The iPhone was very different when it first came out. But it was interesting. It drew you in. You wanted to play with it. You wanted to experiment. You wanted to flip back and forth. And all the gestures were very simple. Apple didn't load everything with double-clicking and triple-clicking and pulling up menus and all this stuff. They made it very simple. You touch obvious targets. You can swipe things over. They, they animate and move like it's a real object. made it very easy to figure out, even though it was a, a quite a new interface. And with the iPad, they took the iPhone that everybody was familiar with already and made minor changes so that you could see more information at once, but it was presented in very much the same way. It's it was
1: logically scaled up to a bigger screen.
18: Yeah. With Metro, they're going from... You know, 1980s Windows to suddenly an, a web interface. It looks like a, a website that someone invented using Flash. And it's just completely like not grounded in any sort of familiarity for anyone. So if you're an experienced user, you have a lot to learn. If you're one of these people that has to read a book to understand how to, how to use Outlook or Word, you're going to be gone. I mean, Vista was confusing enough because it changed the look of stuff. This just completely replaces everything. It's just, it's just, it's stupid. And it's, I think it's hilarious to look at Windows people who just love Microsoft so much that they can't see any of that and they just think it's great. And they're talking about how fresh and wonderful and clean it is. And it's just like, oh, you people are so ridiculous. (laughs) You know, it's like, this is obviously, I mean, even if you like the way it looks, it's still crap as a product because you're selling it to people who have certain expectations. It's like if you took over a car company and said, Okay, for our next version of a car, we're gonna make it in this crazy bubble shape and you know, you're gonna get in through the trunk and, and people are just gonna be like, What what's going on? Why would we buy this product? It doesn't it doesn't fit our expectations. And that's how Windows Metro is, it's Windows 8. It's just it's so nuts. I think it's gonna be hilarious when it just crashes into the ground like the Zune.
1: Well certainly the tablets will, and certainly You have to wonder here about these tablets from these companies that support Android. And the one thing they still can't get, and they may not be able to get for a while, is anything close to a retina display. I'm pretty sure that even if Apple is keeping up with orders barely on the new iPad, there's no capacity left for anybody else to supply that display. Apple probably bought all the capacity for the next five years. Yeah, Tim Cook knows how to shop. We forget he's such a soft-spoken guy. He is
18: a crack negotiator. He, um, yeah, he always kind of sat in the background. He didn't talk very much when Steve Jobs was around. But when he talks see, now. When you see him talking, I mean, he's he's in command of what he's doing. It's really interesting to see. I mean, there's there's certain things that are very much like Jobs, and, and part of it is because he repeats some of the same kind of ideas because we associate them with Jobs because we saw them coming out of Jobs' mouth. But a lot of that, I think, is collaborative decisions were made because his executive team was kind of doing everything. And so when you see, you know, various Apple executives talk, they kind of all say the same thing because they're in agreement on the stuff. But we always associated all that with jobs. And it's interesting to see, I mean, Cook has his own personality, but he's also saying these things. It's like, Oh, that's what jobs would say. That's so kind of interesting.
1: What's interesting is Daniel Aaron Dilger writes lots of fascinating things.
18: Tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for Apple insider and I have my own blog. is roughlydrafted.com. I haven't been writing recently. I have to get on that. I'm going through an upgrade. I was going through this painful process of trying to get my host to fix some stuff, and it was like not really working for a while, and it was very frustrating. So now I'm
1: I'll back. tell you what. I'll help you with that. I promise online. Okay. Right here on the show, I will help you get your host issues resolved, because I know people in that industry. We have several partners we deal with. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene.
8: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's
1: Gene Steinberg. You know, he can talk about anything. Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on The Loop at loopinsight.com. Before we started this conversation, we were talking about the movie they're making about The Three Stooges. And I remark that if you look at Larry, Larry Fine, with the crazy curly hair, and you look at Art Garfunkel, I rest It's like my case. separated
21: at birth. It's like separated at birth. That's right. There's <laughs> a story,
1: Apple shares hit $600, which they did on Thursday morning. And by the time you hear this show, it they might be $700. I don't know. <laughs> Is it still undervalued?
21: <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, beleaguered Apple, right? Beleaguered Apple. You know, it was a decade ago that the words beleaguered and Apple would not separate themselves in in, in the trade press. Speaking about twins being separated at birth or not separated. Mm. And so, now it's beleaguered yeah, Microsoft. Right. 600. Well, no, Microsoft is still very successful and profitable and all that. But, you know, now now Apple is the big dog and, and uh, has a target painted on its back, obviously. You know, when... Uh, apple announced the iPad three uh, last week. It was interesting because um, you know the, there's there 's an old expression in investing buy on rumor, sell on news. This is not particularly new to to anybody who you know who who tracks the stock market or what have you. Um, yet I thought it was interesting that that uh, some of the uh, the pundits who who track apple 's uh, announcements and, and uh, you know, relay its financial information were – made a point of saying that Wall Street investors were not impressed with the iPad 3 news because the stock had dropped, um, you know, by $9 a share or something like that uh, the, the day of the announcement, which of course is perfectly consistent with, you know, this buy-on rumor, sell-on news. And it happens that, almost after year. every Apple media event it just doesn 't happen to Apple. It happens to many companies, um, you know regardless of how robust their financial numbers are, regardless of uh, how successful um, uh, uh, product release track has been. Some investors feel more comfortable uh, trying to make profit when the companies make an announcement, and that drives down the the, the uh, the value of the stock temporarily, but by the end of the next day um, after the announcement, Apple had made up um, all of that lost ground and considerably more and it 's just been rallying ever since so yeah, here we are a week later, and it 's trading at six hundred, which is I think about uh what sixty something points higher than it was the day of the iPad announcement.
1: Well, people perceive this is an amazing product and Forget about the LTE support, which everyone can do and all the new tablets will have it. It's really nice to be able to have that extra download speed when you're on the road, okay? And you have to use your three or four gigabytes uh, in, you know, 20 minutes instead of 40 minutes. You know, it's really good. But you have to look at the retina display. Every single review of the product, they can't get away from that. And that's the one area where the competition Is screwed right now.
21: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Apple's got the end-to-end ecosystem. I think that that's the secret. You know, it's got um, a huge uh, base of of third-party developers creating products for it. It's got the hardware. It's got the operating system software. It's got the whole shebang. Uh, There's nothing really that can compete with it in the Android space because the market is so fragmented.
1: And the problem is here, even when they try to use industry standard components, well, Apple does a lot of custom stuff. Of course, they've got their custom chip based on ARM processor designs like all the others, but of course, they've got their own in-house engineers doing custom tweaks to it. That makes a big difference. But the display, you know, the more you look at that, the more you realize they wrought some kind of miracle here. They did something that, in theory, nobody else has yet been able to do, which is not just to create this high-resolution display and make it fit in a product of that size, but do it affordably. I mean, there were predictions before the new iPad came out that Apple would have to charge $100 more for this particular configuration, and you have to look also, all right, we see that according to the teardown, the retina display costs $70.
21: Yeah, you know, I don't trust teardowns as far as I can throw them just in general, but, um, uh, you know, there's certainly... um, uh a a a leapfrogging that Apple is doing here over the competition. I think it remains to be seen in the long run how much um difference that retina display is going to make to the average consumer. You know, people who've gotten their hands on iPad 3s um you know are, are certainly amazed by them and uh and and think that they're wonderful tools. But whether or not Joe Six Pack, you know, is is going to recognize the qualitative difference of a new iPad display compared to an old iPad display?
1: Well, if you You haven't had a lot of experience with the older one, it doesn't matter. If this is your first tablet, it doesn't matter. It matters basically if you do the side-by-side comparison or you see where you can see the pixels on the text on the old iPad, especially you bring it really up close. And I think about this, for example, When I get up at night to check my email, I check it on the iPhone with the retina display and everything is sharp and clear. But if I pick up the iPad and bring it up to a few inches away from my eyes and understand I'm quite myopic, so it's not going to be at a distance, if I'm not wearing my glasses, I'll bring it up real close and I'll take a look at it and I can see that everything breaks apart. The quality is not as good, so I tend to use the iPhone. That's where you see a difference, but if you're looking at it, at 15 inches away or whatever Apple's perceived distance is, yeah, it'll be sharper, but is that going to matter to a lot of people?
21: Well, one problem that Apple's got here is with the storage capacity of the device because uh, the storage um, specifications for the iPad haven't changed, right? The, The new iPad is 16, 32, and 64, just like the old iPad was. But... Already, apps have been updated to take advantage of the new retina display and they are considerably larger uh, than they were before.
1: It's what, uh, two or three times larger?
21: Yeah, in some cases, absolutely. It depends on, on what kind of graphics are being used and how they're optimized. Um, but but absolutely, it can be um, two to three times larger uh, in any case. And that presents a distinct problem because uh, you know people were already filling up their 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 iPads before now uh with uh fairly sizable apps and now those apps are even bigger um and you know especially for somebody who's still using an iPad 2 or an original iPad these apps are growing in size with no discernible you know improvement uh for for the users of the older devices so it's only people who are using the new iPads um, that are going to benefit. I, I've seen some screenshots of games, for example, uh, that have been optimized to take advantage of the new iPad. And to be frank, I'm not really seeing a huge difference in the screenshots that I'm looking at. I think in motion, you know, when you're actually playing the games, it's it's a bigger deal. But uh, you know, they're they're pretty similar. You know, and that I think has as much to do with developers um, on you know the 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 initial curve of this. Um, as it does with anything. So we'll see things change over time, certainly. But it's it's a it's a potential bump in the road that Apple and uh, developers for iOS need to uh, certainly keep in mind. The problem
1: being, of course, is that the price of flash memory hasn't come down enough to be able to give a 32, 64, and 128 configuration without really, really increasing that price.
21: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the... Uh, Apple uh, controls a big chunk of that market, um, and uh, uh, I'm sure that the market will get there eventually, um, but it's a problem right now. You know, It's a problem with just about any device that's uh, dependent on flash storage, and that uh, comprises an increasing um, percentage of, uh, of Apple products, it seems.
1: Does the presence of iCloud help a little bit in terms of filling up that storage? You can leave a lot of your files, your music files in the cloud. You don't have to worry about them, you only worry about the apps.
21: Well, you worry about the the stuff that's in the cloud until you want to access it and then you need to download it locally in order to uh, to listen to it. So, I you know, it 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 I think it reduces um the immediacy of the user experience certainly.
1: You have to wait for that delay, the few seconds in which it retrieves the file from the cloud or starts to retrieve the file. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Masters radio show on The Loop. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Mm-hmm. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One Keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO.
3: If you're taking one, two, five or more nutritional supplements, please stop simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com and now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no Brainer Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at bioage.com spelled b i o a g e.com. bioage.com or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. Bioage, the age of advanced organics. How would you like to save over
12: $100 on your gardening seeds this year? You can at GetSeeds.net. GetSeeds offers 100% open-pollinated, heirloom, non-hybrid, GMO-free premium vegetable seeds. On sale now for only $59 for 100 packets. Your 100 packets will include a variety of vegetable seeds, common herb seeds, and garden variety fruits. You can even collect your seeds from the plants you grow so you don't have to purchase more seeds year to year. Go to GetSeeds.net for a chance to buy your seeds at 300 plus percent below online retailers' prices. Save money and get non hybrid heirloom GMO free premium growing seeds at GetSeeds.net. GetSeeds.net or call us at 877 341 GROW. That's 877-341-4769.
8: GetSeeds.net. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com.
1: That's forum.technightowl.com. With Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show on the Loop at LoopInside.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're focusing on The new iPad, the iPad third generation, the iPad 3, whatever you wish to call it. And Adam Inks last week and I were talking about this and we decided, he's probably changed his mind by now because nobody listens to me, at least (laughs) among the industry pundits, to call it the iPad 3 because we needed some way to differentiate the product from the others. But whatever, Peter, you don't have to follow up with this. And I think one of the problems we were talking about here is the fact that because apps optimized for a retina display, 9.7-inch retina display, have to be larger. It's suddenly the capacity available for stuff on your iPad is reduced. Maybe that will encourage people to buy the larger capacities. But maybe also Apple has to realize at some particular point in time, they have to find a way to deliver even higher capacity storage at an affordable price. And since Apple dominates flash memory purchases, I guess they could work with their partners for that. They did buy this development company in Israel, that's supposedly going to help build more efficient flash memory, right?
21: Yes, absolutely. Um, And uh, as a matter of fact, I heard some rumblings earlier this week that apparently um, that that organization is uh, is starting to hire again. So um, that uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be seeing uh, you know more innovations come out of Apple. over the course of the next few months um, in that respect, but that's, that's true. And that just goes to show you, again, uh, how much energy Apple has invested in, you know, flash memory as, as a central part of their product strategy. You know, it's, it's obviously used ubiquitously uh, throughout the o- I- iOS hardware product line. You know, every iOS device is, is flash-based. Uh, you've also got the, the, uh, the MacBook Air that's flash-based, um, and, and rumors that you know Apple will be migrating the MacBook Pro line uh, to a more MacBook air style uh, form factor this year, which could also uh, involve uh, more flash uh, uh, memory components so it 's definitely something that Apple um, is is just doubling down on over and over again, and is ahead of much of the industry on. You have to think,
1: how long is it going to be? before flash memory makes sense in almost every computer right now you get above 128 gigabytes things get expensive but that sweet spot may be 512 and if a lot of stuff is kept in the cloud anyway 512 gigabytes affordably of flash memory on any computer might be more than sufficient
21: it's entirely possible you know, I mean, obviously, you know, with 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 uh, storage capacity, too much is never enough. You you never have as much as you think you will need. You know, I've I've upgraded um, the hard drives in my Mac Pro now, I think four times. You know, and I I still outgrow it eventually. Maybe it's just because I'm a digital pack rat. Maybe I need to do a better job of file consolidation and backup and hard uh, storage and so on. But you know, it is it is what it is, and, and file sizes continue to grow in size. Um, as as the systems increase in complexity, you know, that also affects it. You know, they, they, it used to be when the iPhone came out that, you know, you would barely ever run into an app that was bigger than, you know, 20 or 30 megs, and now it's routine that you're downloading five, six, uh, 800 megabyte apps, sometimes apps that, that are, are gigs or more for iOS devices, so... You know, this is a, a a problem that we're all going to be dealing with for the foreseeable future.
1: Now, maybe I'm too efficient. Of course, I do a radio show. I keep one or two copies of every show I've done for 10 years on the Tech Night Out Live, for over six years on the Farcast. On my Mac, I have a one terabyte hard drive, but 514 gigabytes is still available. So I guess I'm lucky.
21: Yeah, you're certainly uh, uh, managing that space well. Right, at least somebody does, I don't know.
1: So much with the iPad. Obviously, Apple is selling a ton of them, a boatload of them. As we do the show, you have to wait two or three weeks to get one, unless you're lucky enough to find one in a store. Apple is rolling this out so fast, you wonder if they really have a lot more supplies than they maybe let on, or you get the impression. You think, well, if you have to wait two or three weeks... You know, Apple doesn't have enough, but those factories are running full-time. They've got Foxconn running 24-7 to churn these
21: things out. You know, one of the most moon-eyed bits of idiocy I saw this past week were people who were convinced this past weekend after Apple had announced uh, that it had already uh, uh, sold out of pre-ordered iPads that Apple was artificially throttling iPad production in order to make it seem like the demand was heavier than it was but the fact is Apple in 2011 when it released the iPad 2 released the iPad 2 in the United States first and waited to do an international rollout for a couple of weeks so it could um you know try to keep up with demand in the US before it hit the international market uh, and of course it was you know churning out as many iPad 2s as it could manage Or Foxconn was, in any case, for some time. And only Uh, an idiot would say that because
1: Apple doesn't make money unless they close the sale, okay? So if you can find a way to produce two million more iPads because the demand is there, you don't think Apple would do it?
21: Yeah, exactly. This time around, Apple is releasing the, the new iPad Simultaneously in the United States and nine other countries, so its distribution of iPads um, is dramatically increasing this time around. You know, to to, to get back to to the, the the paranoid conspiracies, I just don't see it. You know, I think that that Apple um, has has dedicated as much of its production uh, capacity as it is comfortable doing uh, with the iPad, and you know that that its suppliers are providing it with parts. as as quickly as they can get it, and and that's all there is to it. You know, Apple doesn't generally work with a huge backlog of inventory. You know, they try to work as close to zero inventory as they can, and that means managing their, their supply lines and their manufacturing processes very, very efficiently.
1: It also means, of course, that Apple is going to do the best to get this thing out to customers because it's in their best interest. They want this quarter to look good. They want to say, hey, we sold 10, 12 million iPads, including, what, 7 or 8 million of the newest model this quarter, and they're already expanding distribution next week into more countries. You don't do
21: that unless you think you can meet the demand. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's not going to help Apple out at all if people can't get their hands on the product. So I'm sure that you're going to be able to go into a store and pick up an iPad, uh, a, a new one. You know, availability will be constrained, obviously. Uh, You may not have all the choice that you want, but um, they're going to be there. You know, and and people lined up before the product got released um, to to, to be the first on their block to get their hands on them as well. So we're not just talking pre-orders here. Right, but you should
1: also consider if you want to be really flexible and comfortable about the process, give it a few days. Let the crowds disappear and then check the stores people are not apt to go to. Maybe you think, oh, they'll go to Best Buy. They'll go to Apple Store go to Sam's Club, go to Walmart, try some of the other dealers, go check Radio Shag, maybe they have a few in the back. We yeah, have Peter right. Cohen, he's in the front, talking with us on the Tech Night Out Live.
9: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio
14: starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War,
2: Claire, leave me a message. Claire, it's Anne. Hey, you know that hormone balancing product we talked about before? The all-natural one, Amberin? Well, I gotta tell you this. Not only did Amberin stop my hot flashes, but since I started the Amberin program, I have lost so much weight. Seriously, even my belly fat, it's gone. I haven't been this thin in years. I feel great. Give me a call.
3: The leading cause of weight gain in women over 40 is hormonal imbalance. Until you balance your hormones, it can be practically impossible to lose weight. Amberin restores hormonal balance naturally, so the weight can just fall off. Yes, even that stubborn belly fat. Plus, amberin eliminates other symptoms of hormonal aging, too. So with your hormones in balance, you can feel great and finally lose the weight. Be one of the first 50 callers right now, and they'll send you a complimentary risk-free trial with a 30-day supply free. Call 1-800-408-1130. That's 1-800-408-1130. 1-800-408-1130.
17: Don't answer it.
7: If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days, 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's
15: 800-477-9256. Do you know which 37 crucial food items are going to fly off the shelves when the next disaster hits? If you don't, you and your family may be without food and waiting in long food lines after a big disaster strikes. You would be surprised how many people don't have these food items right now. 123survivalplan.com has set up a For Patriots only video with inside information on the 37 food items that will sell out first when the next disaster strikes. The video on 123survivalplan.com has crucially, information you and your family need to prepare for any disaster, natural or man-made. And you won't have to be afraid of going hungry or being sent to a FEMA refugee camp. See the video that over one million other smart patriots have already seen in the last four months. Prepared now. Go to 123survivalplan.com and learn which 37 food items you should hoard. Easy to remember, 123survivalplan.com. Again, that's 123survivalplan.com. You're
13: listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen
1: next. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Masters Radio Show. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. And we're talking about the launch of the iPad 3 and maybe the best ways to get one. Like I said, just sit back and relax. There is no reason that your life is going to end if you're not sitting in front of the Apple store waiting when these things launch. Well, speak for yourself, Gene. You will. Or you were by the time you hear the show. (laughs) Well, I had mine on pre-order, so. Well, there you go. So that's it. You know, order it. Sit back. Relax. Or if you really want to get semi-instant gratification... If you live in or near a large city around the world, there's probably a few dealers that handle this. Obviously, the first group of countries, Apple's adding more countries. Wherever it is, you check a couple of dealers, see which one has the configuration you want. Maybe have a plan B. Maybe you say, you know, I want a white one, but I'll take a black one if they got one in the memory configuration I want. So if you do that, you'll probably find one. And as I said, go to those stores less traveled, you know, looking at an iPad, you don't think Radio Shack or Sam's Club.
21: But they'll have them. They'll be there. That's hey, you goes. know, c- call around. That's how I got my iPad 2. I didn't preorder an iPad 2, but um, I decided at the very last minute that I needed one. If not, you know, the, the Friday that they came out, then that weekend. And uh, I called around, and sure enough, my local Apple retailer happened to have the model that I was looking for in stock. Went down, picked it up. It was no problem, you know.
1: Well, when I, so, I bought an iPhone 4S. S. I walked into an AT&T store and I said, what do you got? Okay, that's fine. I'll take that one. I didn't wait. That's right. That's how it works. Be efficient. Let's go to the product that's not going to be sold out. (laughs) Immediately, although it's a pretty good one, the Apple TV. Now, I guess in theory, the only change is a faster processor, 1080p video. But you better have a pretty fast broadband connection to get 1080p video fed to you online.
21: Yeah, you know to, the 1080p um, files aren't proportionally larger than uh, the 720R. Apple has done uh, some very cool things with with MPEG efficiency here, and uh, makes use of some special hardware uh, in the new Apple TV. So the the files, don't get me wrong, are larger uh, than the 720p files that you would download um, through through iTunes, but they're not as large as you might expect. Well, the comparisons I've seen,
1: they compare with Blu-ray. And the file sizes on a Blu-ray disc are much larger than those of the high-definition movies you get from the iTunes store. And the difference is visible if you look real close. I mean, really close. You go up to your TV set, your 50-inch TV set, and you sit maybe a foot from it and you look over every detail. You look at the way action scenes are transferred or background images and you see a subtle difference and then you sit back 10 12 feet away as you normally would on your bed on your living room sofa and the difference is hardly worth the difference
21: yeah i mean okay you know it 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 may make a difference to you it may not make a difference to you the bottom line is uh the old apple tv could only do 720p uh the new apple uh tv can do 1080 um you know, that, that may make it uh, enough of a difference for some people to upgrade. If nothing else, it's a good selling point for people who are considering an Apple TV for the first time now.
1: And also, if you look at it this way, remember a lot of people who have cable, high definition, or satellite, you have an alternative to get, of course, your on demand movies from these services. And more and more are providing 1080p, like DirecTV has 1080p content. So now Apple is in direct competition with them. You know, you decide, well, I want to watch Hugo, that movie from Martin Scorsese that won so many Oscars. And now I have the choice of renting the DVD or the Blu-ray, going onto iTunes and renting that, or renting it from my cable or satellite provider. And one of the reasons that I would rent it from DirecTV, I get a 1080p version for a dollar more for rent. Apple now has a 1080p version that is mostly indistinguishable. So Apple competes that way. But the other thing is, a new interface allows for more apps to appear on there. Does this pretend Apple adding more content providers?
20: Yes,
21: absolutely. And in fact, we've already heard that, that HBO is trying to loosen the reins um, to let more content uh, into the, uh, the iTunes store. So yeah, I think that... Uh, um, that, that uh, th- this is going to mean that more content providers are going to be um, offering content um, on, uh, on iTunes than we've seen in the past. Well, now we see
1: this arrangement that Apple made with Netflix. and Netflix just introduced a 1080p streaming service, but now what's happened here is if you want to subscribe to Netflix streaming, you don't have to go to Netflix and sign up. You can bill it through iTunes. Yeah, it's about time. And you think, well, is Hulu going to do that next? I mean, Hulu doesn't have to maintain the infrastructure. Or Netflix, let Apple do all the hard lifting, just provide the content.
21: Why not? You know, I, I think at the end of the day, people don't care where they're getting the, the content from as long as they're getting the content that they want.
1: But that raises a larger question here. What is Apple's solution this great solution that Steve Jobs talked about that spooked all the TV makers, do you still have questions about whether Apple will really want to have their own TV set?
21: <sighs> well, that question doesn't really interest me too much. I, I look at the, the the realities of the TV market, and I I can't see... An excuse for why Apple would get involved. It's a low-margin market. It's a commodity market. It's 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 not a market that Apple has any particular um, uh, interest in, in 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 participating in because it's it's not a place where they can make a lot of money. You know where Apple can make a lot of money is selling a product for hundred dollars that costs a lot less than that and offering services for it. You know that's why Apple has been continuing to manufacture. Um, and and refine the the Apple TV experience through several different iterations now. So that's
1: their magic bullet. If they can embed everything they need in an Apple TV for ninety nine dollars, they don't have to worry about selling you the TV set. You buy whatever TV set you want. You plug it in, and you get the benefit of whatever Apple offers.
21: Correct, exactly. You know what? What doesn't make any sense to me is an Apple branded television set. I know that Gene Munster in particular, you know, has been uh, piping on this for years and it just it makes no sense to me you know it just if if you take a look at the 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 tv market like i said it's a commodity market you know it's it's not a market uh that apple would have any particular deafness um uh participating in
1: where tvs have a problem is not so much the picture quality it's pretty good all around i mean you can get a really good 40 inch lcd high definition tv for 350 or 400 dollars You can't beat that. The problem is the interface. And if Apple can combine more and more services into a $100 Apple TV that anyone could add to their TV set just by plugging it in, that eliminates a lot of the problems. Right now, the problem is the integration amongst all your devices. Okay, so you want to play games, you plug in the game console, you have to switch the inputs, and now I'm going to switch to the Blu-ray player, now to the set-top box for the cable or satellite provider etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But now Apple says, okay, the Apple TV and of course you could use AirPlay to integrate your iPad or whatever, you can play your games on your TV set, use your iPad, use your iPhone. By providing that integration, delivering more TV content services, they fulfill all the needs that people expect of their TV, provide the ease of moving from one source to another because it's all done on one device or several integrated devices. And then Apple does never has to worry about high definition TVs, special panels, special sound systems. That's not your problem.
21: Yeah, that's right. You know, I I think that um, there's certainly something to be said for the TV experience. I I um, you know I, I point to my Samsung television as you know an example of a TV interface that just is is jarring and doesn't work well. And I won't get into the reasons why, but... Okay, we all that-
1: have gone through Samsung products. I have a Samsung Blu-ray player. We have Peter Cohen. More coming on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live.
9: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN
1: Radio Network.
19: These are strange days indeed, from economic turmoil to weather-related events and, yes, even power outages. Hi, everybody. Jason Lewis here. Let me tell you why I use WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com provides the most affordable and complete ready-made meals for emergency preparedness and outdoor use. Their entrees, like pasta alfredo, savory stroganoff, and apple cinnamon cereal, carry a 25-year shelf life and are prepared in minutes simply by adding water. They even provide great-tasting a la carte items like freeze-dried fruits, vegetables, and desserts to ensure that you have more nutrition and energy when you need it most. Visit WiseFoodStorage.com today to request a free entree sample and see for yourself why they are the best in the business. For a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's WiseFoodStorage.com or call 1-855-FOODWISE and be sure to mention the promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Be wise and be ready with WiseFoodStorage.com.
5: Are you having trouble paying your mortgage? Maybe your mortgage loan is upside down or in foreclosure. Maybe the bank already foreclosed on you. Don't sit around being a victim of bank fraud. Fight back. We have the tools to help you fight back. Here's how. Go to inspectoraudit.com and click on the GCN radio special. Order a summary audit. Find the real truth about your loan.
4: Maybe like me, you'll find your bank loan was paid off already. Maybe, like me, you'll find your bank defrauded you at the closing. And maybe, like me, you will go after them.
5: Did you know 78% of home loans in the last 10 years violated consumer credit laws? We should not let the banks get away with this fraud. Go to inspectoraudit.com and click on the GCN radio special. Order a summary audit today and find the truth about your mortgage loan. That's inspectoraudit.com or call 855-373-4948. That's 1-855-373-4948
20: absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terragonics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic.
13: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: We have Peter Cohen, and we're talking now about Apple TV, not just a little set top box, a tiny little set top box, but whether it makes sense for Apple to provide a full TV. And you point out the fact that the interfaces. Most of the TV says, well, they're just plain awful. So Samsung, you mentioned Panasonic. Not very pretty. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look horrible, but you want to do simple things, they make it complicated. And now, of course, you have all these extra features. You have the smart TV. what is a smart TV? All it means is they throw a bunch of junk into the menu and say, okay, it's a smart TV because you got Netflix and you got Hulu and you got Amazon, whoever, whatever. They don't integrate it. It's like Windows. You know, all these TV sets owe Microsoft the blame or the credit for their interfaces.
21: Right? Ah, eh, no. You know, I don't think that that's fair. I think that that a lot of the the UI developers for these these televisions really kind of uh, exist in their own little vacuums, and and they really don't care about the rest of the world. And, and maybe if it's a company like Sony, okay, we'll. You know, we'll go the extra step to make sure that if you've got a Sony Blu-ray player or, you know, a Sony set-top box that, or a Sony video game system that you can more easily integrate it into our TV. But we've got no vested interest in making sure that our product works great with Apple products or with Nintendo products or with Microsoft products because they're competitors, you know, essentially for uh, the same kind of services and products that we sell. So, so what is our incentive for making a, a product that works well? You know we want to try to keep as much of that ecosystem for ourselves as possible and and therein lies the problem you know is that it, it the, the the market um, this this commodity market for for consumer electronics is so balkanized that these companies are going to fight tooth and nail for every bit of turf that they can get and and you know if they can do something to undercut the competition they certainly are going to do that so c- companies don't have any incentive to work together. And the efforts that have been made uh, in the past, things like uh, universal plug-and-play, UPNP, uh, are just utter failures. They're patchworks uh, that don't actually do much to enhance the user experience. They're kludges. You know, it's just it's, – it, it's an ugly situation. So everybody has been trying to decipher, you know, this, this, this message from beyond the grave from Steve Jobs about how he cracked it. He finally cracked it. I would love to think that Steve was just having a little bit of fun with people and didn't actually have a damn clue about the TV issue. Maybe he had an idea for an Apple TV, but he
1: left it vague enough, knowing his time was short, as he did when that book was being written, and thinking, you know what? I'm going to be up there laughing at all these companies trying to figure out what I'm doing and how much money they're going to spend on development dollars to produce... They're magnificent, (laughs) ha-ha-ha, smart TVs like Lenovo. I mentioned this before. Lenovo is a company that builds notebook computers, ThinkPads. They took over that business from IBM years ago, and they do pretty well with it. In fact, among PC notebooks, Lenovo is probably one of the best. But
21: TV sets? Duh. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I would love to think that it's just a practical joke. If we ever see an Apple product, you know, that, that resembles a TV... Okay, you know, whatever. Well, one thing I was thinking about though, Gene, um, this past week, and something that I mentioned on, on the Angry Mac Bastards podcast in this week's show is that um, the iPad 3 or new iPad or, you know, the new and approved iPad, whatever you want to call it, highest resolution product in my house. It has a higher resolution than my TV set, it has a higher resolution than any computer monitor in my, my house. It is the highest resolution display right. in my house by like a million pixels. In fact,
1: that was the headline in the Wall Street Journal when they had Walt Mossberg's review, the fact that it sported a display with a million more pixels than high-definition TV.
21: That is pretty darn impressive, I must say. Right. You know, I mean, user experience aside, I'm not sure that it's going to make a huge difference for Joe Sixpack, uh, working on a 10-inch screen, who, you know, doesn't necessarily understand the nuance enough to know that there's a huge qualitative difference between that and a $200 Android tablet. But, you know, that certainly says something about that content uh, you know, streaming to that device anyway. You know, so it, hopefully it'll it'll sort of it'll jar people into into recognizing there is a, a big qualitative difference. But, you know, I I we we've, we've we've seen uh products that that have distinctly better um quality not fair as well as mediocre products um that are marketed better you know i think back to vhs and betamax as you know the classic example of that so you know right? in that
1: particular case here a lot of it was the way the products were designed now in practice they there's an urban legend that the picture quality of beta was much better than vhs actually it's fairly close in multi-generations we make copies of copies beta sustained it more that's not the issue here a lot of it was marketing and being able to have longer playback times better remotes for advanced viewing for scheduling seven eight days out you know stuff like that the remotes were more flexible the marketing was more flexible on vhs and when you added that maybe in theory
21: beta was a better product but vhs won so let's hope that the iPad never has its Betamax moment. You know, I. The, I don't the, the think Apple. Big, Apple, I think knows that. I think they're too smart. For that. I think so too. I mean, you know, there's been some talk in the past week, um, actually in the past several weeks, about how, you know, Apple is losing its grip on the tablet market. That, uh, you know, that it's that its uh, overall percentages are down. But if you take a look at specific uh, industry trends, like um, tablets in enterprise, for example. I read a report this past week that said that 84% of all um, tablet initiatives and enterprises um, are based around iPad, you know, not around ta- Android tablets. So Android's burgeoning market share in this marketplace notwithstanding, Apple is still the dominant player and, and will be for for some time to come, I believe.
1: Well, the issue here is the only Android tablet that has gone anywhere is the Amazon Kindle Fire. And then I think a lot of people bought it largely either because it was very cheap or because it was a convenient way to be able to consume Amazon content, such as videos and more particularly books. And I think a lot of it is that. And I think a lot of it now is if you look at all these businesses who are buying tablets and all they think about is iPad,
21: and iPad is the synonym for a tablet these days, where do you go? What can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh that's, that's exactly right. I mean, even people who have Kindle Fires, anecdotally, you know, people who bought Kindle Fires uh, over the holiday season have come up to me and said, you know, I really want a new iPad. Where's the best place to get one? Or what's the best price I can get for one? Or, you know, should I get an iPad 2 at this point? Or or what have you? So, uh, you know, I think people are looking at the, the Kindle Fire as more of a, as, as you intimated, Gene, uh, a sort of a, a single purpose device you know, consuming content that they download uh, from Amazon, you know, specifically books, but still recognize that the iPad can do many more things that the Kindle Fire can do. And that many of the things that both devices can do, the iPad can do a lot better.
1: Now, look, for example, what Apple's done is they've released more and more content creation apps, this new version of iPhoto, for example. And yeah, it's not Photoshop, but it's a pretty powerful little app especially if you do it on the iPad, all the great things you can do. And it's only four ninety nine, And you think, okay, now you can actually make things. You're not just watching movies or reading books. You're making things. You're creating things. You're going to see more and more of this kind of content creation. The creative people will look at stuff like that and look at the artwork and look at music and things like that and that's, of course, where the Mac first gained ascendancy. It was in creative efforts. It was music. It was publishing. And what Apple's doing now is they're playing the same game again, only with the iPad.
21: Yeah. And, you know, it was funny because it wasn't that long ago that people were actually still, I see this come up over and over again, where the iPad is a, is a, is a content consumption device. It's not a content creation device. Yet I see beautiful content being produced uh, with the iPad
1: all the time. Hey, Peter Cohen, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff you do.
21: You can read my stuff at The Loop, which is loopinsight.com, or you can listen to my podcast at angrymacbastards.com. And by the way, you can find us,
1: technightowl.com. On Twitter, we are technightowl. We have the other show, The Paracast, about things that go bump in the night at paracast.com. Thanks to Peter Cohen and my friend for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you very much for having me, Gene. It's always a pleasure.